Welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we begin Hebrews with Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds, and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits, sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? As we jump in here to the book of Hebrews, we are in a new epistle. It's going to be much different than the ones that we've just looked at that were the pastoral epistles and the personal letter of Philemon, and more like the longer epistles that we were looking at previously in our study. But there are some very big differences that jump out right here in chapter 1 about this epistle and the other ones that we've walked through. First off, this epistle does not have the normal greeting or author listed. For some people, that's been a challenge for the book throughout its time in the canon, is they're not sure if they can trust it since they don't know who it's from. It doesn't bear the marks of the other types of epistles, nor does it bear the authority that comes from some of those individuals that were able to understand their place within the structure of the early church and its leadership universally. And so, the book of Hebrews starts off, for some, with a very big challenge. But it's also interesting that the pattern in how this book focuses on what it's developing is far different from the other epistles. And so that's what we're going to look at today, because I believe it's going to set the stage for the rest of the understandings that we will need to bring to the conversation as we walk here through the book of Hebrews. So the book of Hebrews is going to be essentially comparing the old ways of God's people with the new ways of God's people. It's going to give us a demonstration of the fact that now because of Jesus, the way in which God is accessed and the way in which the people are worshiping God has greatly changed. And so he's going to be arguing for the superiority of the new way over the old. And so as we write this book to these individuals, these Jewish believers, or these people that are on the fence of whether they want to be a part of Judaism or to follow the new wave of Christianity— The focus is going to be on displaying how the Old Testament and the way in which God was relating to people was always pointing to the greater new that has now become present with Jesus in his manifestation to the people. 
And so as we walk through this book, we're going to see a ton of allusions and a ton of quotations of the Old Testament scriptures, because the author's arguments are going to be based on the factual evidence that's displayed in the Old Testament and the new revelation that God has made through Jesus in the New Testament. And so as we walk through this, I would encourage you, spend time looking at the places that these scriptures come from. Here in chapter 1, we have at least three large sections that are coming from the Psalms, from 2 Samuel, and from Deuteronomy. And so those are three different places within the Old Testament canon that this author has knowledge of and is drawing from in terms of the totality of what God is trying to do. And so a big challenge for us is if we don't understand the importance of the Old Testament and what it's there for, it could be hard for us to follow and understand his argument. And so while our study and our podcast has just been walking through the New Testament, we were reminded a couple weeks ago that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, for those different things that are listed there. And our understanding of the Old Testament is important. And so I would encourage you, as you seek to anchor your faith on what you're able to study and find in God's Word, use this as a reminder to follow some of your Bibles, what I call follow the footnotes, Follow those passages back to the places in the Old Testament and see what's going on there. Read those in their context. Grow in your understanding of what God is doing and has done through other people. And so I think it's a danger for us sometimes to live so much in the New Testament that we don't go back and look at the Old Testament. And a lot of us will say, well, hey, these are things that I don't really need to know. They don't really apply to me. I'm not really being asked to live this way anymore. But the author of Hebrews is going to display how those things served a purpose, but it was an inferior purpose to the new that is there. But when we look at them, it's a great way for us to experience the way in which God reveals his character, reveals his attributes, and reveals his divine plan to his people in a way that progresses them towards the end that he desires for them. As far as a question for us to look at, I'd like for us to focus in here on verse 12, where it's talking about and comparing and contrasting the way in which the world is constantly changing and will perish and will move forward, but that God is the same and he does not change. And so that can be a very confusing thing when we reflect on even what we've just talked about, the way in which God is changing the way that he relates to people and he's progressively revealing himself to them. And so when we talk about the unchanging nature of God, we commonly call that the immutability of God. The immutability of God means that God does not change in terms of his character, his will, and his covenant promises that he makes. He will not change over time. He will remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we reflect on that, this verse here is coming from the book of Psalms, specifically from Psalm 102. And when we jump back into Psalm 102, we see an individual that is suffering great affliction at the hand of others. And so as he seeks to find a silver lining, or as he seeks to find reason behind what it is, and how he can move forward with his life, he founds his faith 
upon the unchanging nature of God. The fact that though all of these things are happening around him, he knows that he can rely upon the Lord. He knows that he can look to him for strength. He knows that he can rely upon him because he's not going to change. He's going to remain the same. He is not going to alter the promises that he's made or change the way in which he is going to deal with his faithful servant. And so when we think about what's happening in this totality of this passage, and when we think about what these individuals are looking for in terms of understanding how God is changing the way he relates to people, but not necessarily changing in terms of his character, his will, or his divine promises, that's something that is very hard for us to grasp at first. Because when we think about things changing, we would either say they're going from better to worse or from worse to better. And that either means that God lacked something that he now gains as he progresses through time, or it means that God is moving away from the standard of perfection. And those are some things that we would not want to say, nor would we want to believe, nor would we believe and worship a God who is going through that process of change. Because if he's not the image of perfection, then why are we treating him as such and worshiping him as God? And if he's moving away from what that is, we would not want to continue to worship him either. And so as we reflect on what's happening here, we have to understand that at times when we see the way in which God is changing, the change is not really on God's side, but it is on the side of man. And so God continues to move forward his perfect plan and his divine will, but man is able to access it at different times in different stages in different ways through different means, because we are creatures that are held by the temporal things in the world. We have to experience events that take place in a chronological order. We have to see that progression. We cannot experience them all at once, nor do we understand them all in a moment of time, but we see that progression taking place. And so this is just one of the examples of how when we walk through this book of Hebrews, we're going to see that there are some pretty heavy and pretty heady thoughts that are taking place. I would encourage you, as you do always, when you find these questions, search them out, because there's many other places that we can lean in in this passage that you're going to be able to glean great things from. Some of them might be easier studies than others. Some of you, if you have a good study Bible with you, it's going to give you the notes and the passages to go to for the different places to understand these verses in their greater context and where they're being pulled from. Others, you might have to look a little bit harder on that. You might have to search through that, or you might find places where it's actually multiple quotations that are put together. And so this is a challenging book. It's not an easy book to read, but it is a very worthwhile study to walk through and to look into what God's Word is revealing to us, to understand how He's progressively revealing Himself to mankind, and as He does so, that it gives us a more clear and more fuller picture picture of what he desires for his people to do as they respond to the way in which he's revealed himself to them. And so as you walk through that today, as you develop a greater understanding of what God is doing, I pray that you know that you are loved. You're-